and get your ass beat. You mm-hmm. can stay and get your fucking ass beat. Welcome back to Mentally Chill. Hi. Hello. I'm Allie. And, um, Still Suzanne. And we have the beautiful, Liz fantastic, Harvey. yes, Liz Harvey in the stew. Yeah. Live and in person. I'm burping a lot. And burping a lot. We just ate a pretty good lunch. Mm-hmm. So pretty good. Yeah. All right, sorry, Suzanne wow. made it. it was really good. It was amazing. <laughs> it was really good. I would have liked it more unless I made it myself, which is Ooh. a really high compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I love high compliments. Really, I'll take any compliments. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, so if you guys could just take. Oh, and we've got Peaches in mm-hmm. the studio. She's a dog, and she's bad. Yeah. She's a really bad dog. But we got her on this track, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard. It was. Well, her she's one of the most. Is. It comes and goes. <laughs> so really relatable. Yeah. Um, she's she's depressed. It's self-diagnosed. <laughs> speaking of self-diagnosis. <laughs> speaking of self-diagnosis. Speaking of diagnoses. Mm-hmm. How's everyone feeling today? I am suffering with a migraine. So I'm working through it. But it's not bad enough that I'm limited to my house. But it's definitely strong enough that I'm. there's never a second where I'm not like... Oh, I maybe don't have a migraine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I think is migraines or just general joint pain tend to go hand in hand with mental illness. So. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. and I also have a wide array of mental illnesses, uh, proving my theory that I was just built all types of fucking wrong. (laughs) Uh, just like, I, God just goofed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, anything that's wrong that could be wrong is wrong. That's not true. But, um, yeah, there's, like, a lot of mm-hmm. chronic joint pain, chronic pain mm-hmm. that ties it into yeah. mental illness. And I don't really understand the link or know that science yeah. has the I think, answer. I think that a lot of times, especially when it comes to my, migraine or being a migrainer, that's the word, mm, a migrainer. A migrainer. My, it's, like, spelled U-E, I don't know, I'm a terrible speller, but a oh. migrainer. Ooh. One who migrates. One who migrates. Enchanté. <laughs> uh, the science tends to be uh, very reductive when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, and it tends to be really reductive if you are if you possess like ovaries, if you have a period, because they often write off migraines as being cyclical. Okay. Similarly to like if you were to have like, uh, what's the, that's what's PMS, PMDD, when it's oh, like, really yeah. severe, that can be written off. Because it's like, oh, no, you're just PMSing. Similarly with migraines. They'll be like, oh, that just happens with women. It's like, does it? Do I it? would, yeah, I was diagnosed with PD, PMDD. Yeah, the severe one. Bad period. Yeah, yeah, because every time I get my, well, like, and it took me years to realize that I was suicidal once a month, every month at the same time. Yeah. And once I was like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. suicidal every month, once a month at the same time. It's like my period. But I would, like, love a better explanation or, like, maybe a solution Mm -hmm. or, like, more of a conversation that isn't just, like, well, it's that darn period. It's, like, no, I'm really, um, I'm really sad. Yeah. What I learned about my period was that, you know, whenever I get it, I'm, like, really relieved. So I was, like, oh, my God, you know, that's why I feel bad. Like, I felt so bad. However, fun fact I always feel that bad. It's just actually really nice that once a month I can pretend like it's my hormone. I hate when people are, and when I'm just like, oh, you're on your period. It's like, yeah, I am. I'm super on my period, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm extremely on my period right now. It's such, it's so annoying Mm -hmm. that you, I mean, like, besides, like, the suicide ideation, I think the worst part for me is having to admit that. Yes, actually, it is my period making yeah. me feel this bad. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Sometimes I lie and say, oh, sorry, it's my period. But surprise, bitch, it was me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that, like, you can feel bad. Uh, like, I will always get a migraine on my period. It's just going to happen. Yeah, I am yeah. on my period right now. I'm also detectives. <laughs> and uh, I've gotten to the point now where it's been, like, oh, good, 10 years of this. So I know. And I'll just say, I'll live. Because I know it'll end, but that doesn't calm me. It's just to calm everyone talking to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love um, overreacting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am an overreactor. I always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been nice to, like, be diagnosed with a mood disorder so I can be like, well, that's what it is. Um, but sometimes it's just my personality yeah. is bad. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, like we talked about before, what's the mental illness and what's my bad personality? Yeah. It's all well, just it's one. It's all just one. <laughs> I, I'm doing it now. <laughs> I would definitely say that up until the time I was, until I was 24, I just was really waiting to be 24 because that's the magic number, supposedly, when your brain stops growing. Wow. So your hormones and uh, anything that helps your brain grow starts to settle down under 24. And I really? felt like I could feel it. I was hoping I could, so maybe it's a placebo effect. But my overreactions wasn't like, oh, this button fell off this dress on my way out the door. I want to jump off the staircase. Yeah. So now it's a little more like, I want to jump off the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's definitely yeah, still, it's there, still there, but, but you're it's like... not as... I don't have the energy. It's to not do as it. like high huh? drama. Yeah. But wow. also me it's just being older. So yeah. I don't know. I had energy. this like breakdown last night in my dude's like inbox, like where I just was like I was like live texting him my anxiety attack and then I was like, Oh my god, this is the most annoying thing I've ever done in my entire <laughs> mm-hmm. life. And I just was like, Oh sorry, that was like such a dick move. But yeah. I I haven't had the urge like to do that in a really long time, so um, yeah, normally I'm just like, okay, I'm freaking out. Not like, I'm freaking out and yeah. I'm texting everyone and I know about it and like, I'm going to jump off a staircase. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you could jump off the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that was, that's my favorite thing about getting older is, I don't know if it's because my brain settled down or just because I have more malaise being older, <laughs> but I don't just, have the energy to match the drive of the impulses when yeah. I overreact. You're just resigned. It does make sense. And you're mm-hmm. just kind of like resigned to knowing that yeah. it's going to come. So it's just like, oh, well. Well, mm-hmm. personally, when I turned 24 is when I um, was institutionalized uh, one of the times. So I don't really have the calming down, but I know my dog has calmed down a lot as she's <laughs> grown. So maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, it's just, maybe there's you know. something to that theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard that before. Um, I, well, I'm schizophrenic. And so they say the, like the diagnosing age is like between like 24 and 27. Yeah. So I'm like, right. I'm 26. Right in the sweet spot. Right mm-hmm. in the sweet spot. <laughs> just um, something in my brain woke up and said, Mm-hmm. It's showtime. Yeah. And we just never looked back. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, there's like two. Um, I mean, I feel like it's, I'm taking more. There's a, I've been institutionalized sometimes. Um, and when I think about being institutionalized as a teenager mm-hmm. versus now, well, I guess Take, your depression isn't like really taken very seriously when you're a kid. Even if you're mm-hmm. like, hey, I need mm-hmm. medicine. They're just like, oh, yeah. high school. And you're like, I don't really think it's high school that's making me want to die. Yeah. Like Or like making me, you know, super depressed. Or like making me have anxiety attacks 20 times a day. Like it's not just... Like, that I don't get to sit at the cool table. First of all, I eat lunch in the library because I don't like anyone, so. That's sad but charming. (laughs) Well, I ate lunch in the library because, like, none of my friends were in my lunch period. And I just, like, didn't, like, my, like, my lunchroom gave me anxiety. Yeah. And then, like, once I got, like, that was, like, my freshman year. But then I got cooler and started skipping class and going to Jamba Juice at lunchtime. Oh, cool. To, like, smoke weed with my friends. So, like, it was, like, a cool, it's, like, a, it's, like, a, um, you know, a come-up story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, cafeterias are really challenging. Because it's, like, any of the stress of a restaurant, but to the nth degree. Because it's, like, the noise of a restaurant, the stress of picking out what you're going to eat, the stress of eating in front of other people, watching other people eat, but then add to that all the social drama of high school. Right. So that's... And, like, someone's probably going to get in a fight. Oh, yeah. They're definitely going to. I'm glad I dropped out. Thanks for making me realize that it yeah. really made sense. I also didn't finish high school um, because of my various mental illnesses. Yep. Um, but I definitely was just like, people were like, oh, you're lazy. You're just sad. You need to like, and it's, you're definitely not taking, even even when you like try to kill yourself as a teenager and you're in an institution, it's still kind of like, um, I don't know. Or maybe it was just the institution I was at. But they, like, just didn't really seem to take it very seriously. Yeah, I think that's definitely true in high school. And in general, like, with me, now that I have my bipolar diagnosis, people 
listen more, I think. Like, yeah. oh, wow, that really sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really a bummer. And so they actually believe me more, I think. That I don't really... You mean in, in, like, hospital or in general? Both. See, I feel like in my hospitalizations... Do you feel like you're taken more or less seriously? Um, I feel like now that I have more of a di- like you were saying, like more mm-hmm. that I have like an actual diagnosis, um, it's like taken more seriously. But I can also kind of like, and maybe it's projection, but I can like feel kind of like doctors' eyes on my like you know super super thick like files of like you know mm-hmm. oh she's been in all these hospitals like yeah. she just needs to she needs to chill the fuck out. I see it as having a more impressive resume. Oh, like, I like that. Yeah, like, if there was yeah. a LinkedIn for mental illness, think of all the people you could connect with based on your qualifications. I like that a lot. I think, wow. we would said this before we started recording, that it's challenging sometimes, though, with, like, diagnoses or getting medical attention, where often the crisis has to lead to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you aren't just walking around managing your mental illness, and they're like, oh, let's let's talk about it. Right. Like, you have, you have to, to take it to the nth degree, especially if you're, like, of a limited financial means. Like, something has to get you to that point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that that action is what's dissected more than the pattern of behavior before it. Does oh, that make yeah, sense? that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I like, agree. it'll get just completely discounted yeah it'll be like well let's talk about what led to this specific action or what brought you here today and it's like well a lifetime like well (laughs) yeah an entire lifetime of you know untreated or undertreated or whatever Mm -hmm. you know patterns of behavior or Mm -hmm. whatever and i think um maybe you are taken more seriously if there's been more crisis because it's more of a concern so this Mm -hmm. the state or the facility It's like, okay, well, this is actually a risk. We see the risk. Right. But a lot of times people live just slightly under the radar enough Mm -hmm. that it's harder to get that diagnosis. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense because it's like, I mean, there are tons of people out there living untreated or undertreated because they're never going to take it, Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God, to that level. Mm -hmm. But how do they find care? Yeah, absolutely. Um. So when it comes to like my issues with like being on the autistic spectrum disorder, it's something that I've talked to counselors in the past about getting diagnosed and often be, I'm seeing counselors that are like through a college I'm attending or through a sliding scale. And so they're not psychologists, they're mm-hmm. not like a neurological institute. So it's not a diagnosis that they can specifically have that, oh, if I already guess, yes, you have autism. And especially in women, they tend to diagnose autism at a much smaller degree and just in the states in general i know that um yeah i think that it's the most recent dsm the the book the big book (laughs) (laughs) they reduced the diagnosis for autism spectrum disorders and it there are there's a lot of arguments that it's because of like funding because in like medicaid doesn't have to provide care for people with like asperger's and so many yeah kids i knew that like they, they cut asp like that's not a diagnosis anymore i was reading yeah. about that yeah i'm um, sorry to interrupt and to me i had gone through different therapies and programs for just chronic depression and anxiety really like pretty bad where i was like losing jobs or i would live on like a 40 hour day where you'd be up for 30 hours sleep 10 hours yeah but you can't really like live life yeah with everyone not, else right yeah. <laughs> yeah like by yourself sure but everyone else uh, not really and um i'd been on ssri and that was no no good no bueno for me personally <laughs> and uh i did different counseling i'd gotten workbooks and it was still like Oh my god, the fucking workbooks, man. It's like a step forward, a step back. I just felt like I was treading water. Yeah. And I don't even know how I got into this idea that it's like, I need to look into autistic spectrum disorder. Um, I did have some family members that I felt were very clearly had Asperger's. So that was something when I like learned what Asperger's was. I was like, okay, I'm going to look into this. And when I started seeing things about like how autism manifests in women compared to men and the signs that are often ignored in women and and just socialization of girls. I mean, this is, this is really like gender essentialist stuff that I don't necessarily buy into. Right. But for me personally, I I found it to be true. Um, There's just a lot of social coding that's girls, young girls pick up on more Mm -hmm. than boys do that make it harder for a diagnosis to come forward. If that makes sense. That makes sense. I never hear about girls having autism. Yeah. It's a, 
it's because a lot of the diagnoses come from difficulties socializing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, aggression or things like that. And uh, I was definitely super aggressive, but I wasn't a fighter. I was just like a screamer and a yeller and yeah. a thrower of things. And uh, I think that if I were a 12-year-old boy punching the walls, I probably would have... Raised more Yeah, raised more red flags. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely like... When I was in preschool, or maybe kindergarten, and my mom happened to work at the same school, I would cry really regularly because my socks would hurt my feet. Like, the seams of my clothes would hurt my feet. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's changed now, where if someone's crying because their clothes hurt their body, there's more like, hey, that's a red flag for right. autism. But at that time, it was just like, girls she's are fussy. So fussy, yeah. Yeah, she's so fussy, and girls' clothes are made kind of cheaply. And, yeah. You know, and it was just like... A lot of little things like that over and over, like screaming and crying and like locking myself in a closet as a little kid because I didn't want to wear a dress because it was itchy, where it just seems like, well, so dramatic. Right. Yeah. You girls know? are just, she's just so dramatic. And yeah, she's throwing a fit. And like when I would write short stories or get stuck in cartoons or only had like one or two close friends and just passionately hated everyone else it's just like oh she's she's Daria she's a moody teen yeah. you know yeah I think that that really prevented the word autism or Asperger's to be entered into the vernacular of my life um okay. but when I started reading about it especially how depression and anxiety manifests or like freakouts happen freakouts meltdowns whatever you people want to call them uh is to me it was like oh that's it like mm -hmm. that's that's it and I read this one probably a tumblr, tumblr post let's be honest <laughs> but it was about like what having autism is like and if you go to a restaurant and you expect to order this specific sandwich someone who doesn't have autism if they don't have that sandwich might be bummed out yeah. they could easily change their track and get a different sandwich but to me I spent that whole day thinking about that sandwich. I tasted that sandwich. I felt that sandwich. And if it's not there, it's like my whole brain for the day was just thrown on the ground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. And so when I like read that, I was like in tears. I was like, that is me. Like, <laughs> like and I do have a relationship with food that's like that, where it's very yeah. based on like, no, I've flipped the switch. This is what we're, this very focused tunnel vision. And, and I found, like, different forums, different communities, different, not as many workbooks, because unfortunately a lot of stuff about autism in the United States is catered to, like, how to, how to have an autistic kid. As a parent, how do you survive when it's, like... When it's, like, you just, you just yeah, you just, like, work with it. You yeah, know? and, like, people with autism can, like, self-help them a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I haven't found, like a surplus of information but definitely like going through that the algorithm to handle anxiety and depression changed my life exponentially um there's like a a documentary called neurotypicals that was on like public access and it was interviewing people with asperger's and their like different experiences with it and like it sounds dumb to me if someone's like i saw this documentary and one line changed my life you'd be like <laughs> but in this documentary i remember this one person was saying that just because you could remember everything didn't mean you had to. And it, it was like the heavens opened up to me because I definitely like would have an experience where, oh my gosh, a storefront changed on this street. Do I not even remember what the storefronts were? Maybe that wasn't the storefront. Like to me, because I could because absorb every information, I thought it was my duty. I thought, oh, I can tell you what everything in this room looks like. I need to remember that for, for what? I don't know. Yeah, mm -hmm. but but then when I learned that I didn't have to remember that, it was a anxiety relief. Yeah, me. does that make sense? And that I, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's like there's definitely a different uh, strategy that I would use for anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. But like I said, when anytime I bring up autism to counselors, that I was like paying on a sliding scale, they'd mm -hmm. be like, "Well, that is something to like look into." It's just like okay, well, <laughs> we've already looked into it. Now let's like work. With, yeah. Yeah, and I think that you know that sounds challenging. Yeah, that's that's definitely like a uh, thing. I I'm sure if I sound like ooh, tightened up talking about it, it's because uh, self diagnosis is just a controversial thing in general. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know? um, people are like, there's no such diagnosis as self diagnosis, and I think that that might be true with a lot of 
personality disorders, but I think if you have a network of people who can objectively and kindly tell you yes or no, and I agree with these patterns, and maybe this is something we should look into, self-diagnosis can be a beneficial part of mental health. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think that, like, it's like, oh, of course, self-diagnosis is, like, a weird thing because, like, every single person who's ever took a psych class is like, oh, that's me. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if it can cause you to look into yeah to just like look into your behaviors look into what you think is going on with you like what's really wrong with that it's just like yeah. it's just like like with everything when you take it to an extreme it's like yeah it's and i think that a lot of people misuse terms where it's like oh sometimes i can just like paint all day i'm so bipolar Oh yeah. Or I'm yeah. Like, I just like it clean. I'm so OCD. Like, do you oh, have my God. do you have that's thoughts in like, your yeah. head that you're gonna like murder your family? Because that's more OCD. Yeah, I love <laughs> when people say like, "This weather is so bipolar." It's like, oh my God, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just shut up. Yeah. So I think that that's why people get really defensive. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for me, it was really helpful taking a class. I, I just fucking hate the like. Oh, I took a psych class and but like it was really good to read about different like mental personality disorders because I actually had an idea that there was a name for these things and that patterns could mean, you know, bipolar rather than, oh, well, there's like hints of anxiety with like mm -hmm. some horrible depression. Like there's other disorders out there that you don't even know about. And if you're not receiving adequate care, you're never going to know about it. You mm -hmm. know? So it was kind of nice to have an idea. I think I get it. Like it can be you know, dangerous or destructive for certain kinds of disorders to have all these things in your head and maybe ruminate on. But realistically, in America, we don't have a lot of resources for the mentally ill. And so, so much of it has to be taken on yourself. And if you're just looking at it from a, these are ways to help myself, like what you're talking yeah. about with like framing how to treat mm -hmm. autism, like the way you're speaking about it, we're manifesting a lot of similar symptoms, but the way that you phrase it is completely different. So you'd need different tools, I think. Yeah. You said something really interesting to me, which was when you said, I could store all this information, but for what? Yeah. That is, I think, something that is, but something that I'm trying to learn in my own treatment is like, I could ruminate on this all day, but for what? Yeah. And it's so hard to correct your thinking. Yeah. I mean, like, the therapy I'm in is, like, CBT, and it's, like, sometimes it's fucking bullshit. Like, <laughs> um, no disrespect to anybody who it's working for, but I'm, like, I'm, like, a negative, maybe more of, like, a negative person, or I just, yeah. like, think a lot of shit is bullshit. I had a therapist tell me I was too smart for therapy, which is, like, a really fucked up thing. Well, I had every single therapist say that I'm too smart for therapy. Maybe you guys are just too dumb to be therapists. <laughs> <laughs> people say that I speak about autism in a way that would negate me having autism as if like you're not allowed to have any type of awareness yeah because it, because people have this picture of what it exactly. is and they and and when they look at you and they see this like mm -hmm. you know you're this like you know beautiful girl who's like fun, like just mm -hmm. like and seems you know you're very articulate and you have yeah. a lot of opinions and you have a lot of interests and they just think like well you're supposed to mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that are like mad scientists at people with autism or on the autistic ASD autistic spectrum disorders are mad scientists. So like I would never brush my hair. Clothing would be hard for me. But my interest is clothing and brushing my hair. Yeah. So it's like I don't know anything about trains. I know about to see people love trains. They're always like, I don't give a fuck about trains. I'll say that on Twitter. People will be like, but low key trains are dope. And I'm like, no they're not. <laughs> I don't care about trains. I don't care about like I don't know any football stats. I don't know any things yeah. like that. But I can tell you like how old Judy Garland was in this movie, or what foundation was used in this film. Like that was my Those niche. Your, yeah. So I present as a much more like. Mm, it's just like it's oh like, she's just a she's just like super like a super femme girl. She loves yeah. she loves being pretty. She loves makeup. And exactly. It's like, okay, but then you take it past this level, mm -hmm. and there's there's something deeper going on. Yeah, there's there there's definitely a lot of resources of women with autism or Asperger's on YouTube who talk about how their interest is beauty. Yeah. And for so really? long, it prevented them from getting a diagnosis. They're usually from, like, Scandinavian countries or in Europe, where, yeah. like, diagnoses are probably easier to get yeah. than here. But they talk about how, like, my hyper-interest was beauty. So people were like, that's just being a girl. Yeah, that's something I thought about and I didn't know how to frame in a decent way. It was, like thinking it might be more challenging for you because you're beautiful and you know a lot of the things that you are very interested in 
are cool and things that people want to know about, yeah. which I feel like maybe would that like affect how seriously t people take it? Oh yeah, of course. I've had, um, when I was modeling and acting a lot, uh, it was around the time that I was like figuring this out myself and I would get in a lot of trouble because I'd run my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And not just about like me running my mouth and ruining my career is a whole other ball game, but specifically about <laughs> autism, specifically about mental health and autism. And so many, especially male artists would be like, well, I'm talking to you right now and I can tell you're not autistic. Oh, cool. And I was like, Thank you. all right, guy with the melting Chanel tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but I'm not taking that degree. I mean, whatever. Yeah, that would be such tattoo. a bad movie, the boy with the melting Chanel tattoo. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of 38-year-olds in Chicago with, with that, that tattoo. tattoo. Absolutely. I can speak to, and I know. Yeah, they were big on MySpace. It was They're, a big MySpace. Yeah, tattoo. it was like a huge thing on MySpace. That's mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's de there's definitely like... Or just being a beautiful woman in general. When you say, oh, I'm just so you know I'm a little crazy, or just so you know I struggle with mental illness, it's often seen as being more adorable. Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, or worse, cute. they call you Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> and you just have to jump into a volcano. Or they, yeah, they like want you to be, I mean, like there is, we, we've touched on like, you know, like the manic pixie mm -hmm. kind of thing. But there's, but there's like definitely something, you know, there's more to it than that. There's like, you know, just, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's. The well, Marilyn Pixie Dream Girl, a whole new brand of terrible where you ruin everyone's <laughs> life and sleep with the president. Ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> also known as Olivia Pope. I won't get into Scandal because I can do a whole independent I've, podcast on Scandal. I have never seen more than five minutes of Scandal. I love Scandal. I'm sure. It's yeah, ruining it's like, my of life. Of course, like, of course I look, fucking love Scandal. Allie and I were talking about how we can't wait for it to be over because it's a prison. It's been eight seasons and... <laughs> Or is six, this the last seven. season? Next, yeah. next, next season, season is season seven, last season, and then I'll finally be free. <laughs> We've earned our liberation. I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Game of Thrones also. Yeah, I'm not a Game of Thrones girl. I'm not... Um, You're not a sci-fi in general. At all. No. At all. I don't. I am. I yeah, super do don't. Oh, absolutely. So I just don't care about the characters in Game of Thrones, which is... Surprising because I love fantasy and I love nerd stuff, but I just, my Magic the Gathering decks are behind us right now as we speak. <laughs> but like they're they're literally just unlikable to me. So I'm like the characters. Like, yeah. So I don't care. And people are like, you love Lord of the Rings, which I do. I love all the Tolkien universe, but it's more clearly defined as good versus evil. And I think that maybe like the juvenile side of me is drawn to that. Whereas yeah. in Game of Thrones, it's more about like sexy. <laughs> sexy dragon. Maybe so. that's why I'm like so okay with it. It's because I've never been horny for anyone in it, so I can just completely relax when I watch it. Yeah, that's it's true. Oh, yeah, it is really nice to just be freed from your horniness for just like an hour at a time. Yeah, <laughs> like come to think of it, I've never been horny for I've never been horny for anyone in Game of Thrones. That's that is really surprising for me. So yeah, oh. I just want to get that on record. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that sounds like a nice. Nice, mm -hmm. and nice break. Um, kind of what we were talking about earlier too, with the, like the period thing. It's like, no, I have to be like a crazy girl who has a crazy period who's yeah. crazy. God, yeah. And Mental health so... is just like your period forever. <laughs> yeah, everyone's gonna discount everything you do as yes. being mental health. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, I would say that it's definitely harder to say. Like, some things are just objectively dumb. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, that's I, don't, true. I don't necessarily want to go paintballing, or I don't want to go Cause do it's dumb. Some, yeah, because it's just dumb to me. <laughs> it's just dumb to me. But someone would be like, oh, like, does the paint bother you? Is it too noisy? Is it too this? And I was like, no, it's just, like, I don't go to bars Sorry. often because they're too noisy. Yeah. I'll never go paintballing because to me it's just stupid. Yeah. But, but I think like, people would be like, oh, well, she, like, you know, you can, don't ask her because it's like she's sensitive to things. She you know, know what I you mean? You know, it's a sensory thing, right? Yeah. Don't like people hurting me. Like, physical pain. Yeah, I was like, I, also, like, I'm not going to run for no reason. Yeah, I don't want to, yeah. no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I take a firm stance yeah. on if my house was going to burn down, like, and I had to run to get out, I would just die. <laughs> like, I might throw peaches, like, out the window, yeah. like, to safety, but just good luck I'd out wait there. to die. Peaches. Yeah, for sure. You'll yeah, find I, someone, she'll forget about you. Oh, she probably already has. She's <laughs> on the couch, done. But yeah, I think a lot of, uh activities or just what you would ask someone to do like you can ask your friend with mental illness if they're into something and just because they don't like it might not be because of their mental illness yeah sometimes i just like don't want to go out yeah like it's like some well and it's like 
on the like flip side of that, you know, I've had friends asking me like, oh, do you want to go out? And then like you ask me eight times and I every time I say no because I'm anxious, don't stop asking me. Yeah. yeah. Keep asking me because on the ninth time I might not be anxious. Yeah. Um, or I'm like actively hallucinating and I can't drink alcohol right now or like yeah. I can't, you know, so, so keep asking me. Yeah. But like. Yeah, people just, people just, I think, generally don't know how to treat people with mental illness and they're jerks. And they, like, don't know how to ask the question. Like, very yes. recently, even pertaining to Game of Thrones, like, people just <laughs> ask stuff so poorly. Like, I have PTSD as well, and I'm a survivor of multiple sexual assaults, and I had somebody just look at me with the saddest eyes when I was talking about Game of fucking Thrones, and they were like, doesn't that, like, trigger you? And stuff, and like, just shut the fuck up, man. Like, don't. Someone asked me how I can watch Law and Order SVU. Like this, nine <laughs> episodes in a row while I eat a whole fucking pizza, you dumbass. Like, well, first of all, yeah. Law and Order SVU is very soothing to me yeah. because they catch the guy every time mm-hmm. and he always goes to jail. And yeah. they usually say stuff like, you know, you, it's you got a tiny, help. you do little dick. Like, loser. No yeah, offense, and the police believe you. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Earlier, Law and Order SBU Earlier, they really didn't. Up. But lately, yeah, lately if you watch the ones, they had Joe Biden on it. They yeah. had Joe Biden on it. Well, SVU's really become, like, a fan fiction for Law and Order. Like, the yeah. first... I like the regular Law and Order more than SVU. I'm a purist. Wow. But I love, I love a legal drama. And there's yeah. not really court cases in SVU, so I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> but the first five seasons of... Regular Law and Order is before Jack McCoy. So they're like deep 90s commentary mm-hmm. on the legal system. And it's like back when you could use women's sexual histories and court cases and there wasn't DNA. So the first five seasons of Law and Order would be extremely triggering because yeah. it's just blaming the victim for five, five years. Yeah. But now it's Wow, like, I wonder what that would be like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you imagine a world like that? Yeah, Crazy. Sorry, like, God. God. <laughs> But now it's like Law and Order SVU. You're right. Like Joe Biden's down there. Maybe Lady Gaga will pop in and be like, <laughs> oh, this is a patriarchy. We'll listen to you. So yeah. yeah. It's soothing in that way. Yeah. it's. I find it very soothing. I'm like, oh, wow, he went to jail. People go to, like, he, the police believed her. Her friends are being supportive. And her also, boyfriend didn't break up with her. This is incredible. And also, yeah, sometimes it triggers me. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> She's like, yeah. That's not going to stop me from sitting in my house all alone for seven days straight watching TV. Okay, well, that's something different. I had a really bad depressive episode, and I know it was really bad because I literally watched all five seasons of The Ghost Whisperer, um, which is like... Um, is that with Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yes. Okay. Jennifer Love Hewitt as an antique-dealing ghost whisperer which not to blame the victim but if you were like a ghost whisperer why would you get in the antique business oh yeah truly it's just like you're asking for yeah, it yeah really but sorry i, <laughs> I just have a said not to blame that. the victim it's not blaming the victim i'm just saying that you know that sounds like a good way for me to have social interaction without leaving the house <laughs> if there's a ghost well if i was healthy i wouldn't have but this yeah, podcast Five seasons of it. Mm-hmm. Five seasons of Jennifer Love Hewitt and her amazing jugs oh, and yeah. these sundresses. Just like, yeah. Just and it's the same every time. The oh, ghost yeah. is angry, and then you find the family, and then the ghost is fine, mm-hmm. and some antiques break, and she's like, "No big deal." And I'm like, "This is your fucking livelihood, man. Like, you can't keep letting these ghosts break your fucking <laughs> objects. These are like six hundred dollar vases and shit." Mm-hmm. I don't know. I is she employed the full time? Yeah, she owns the store. Oh, okay. But so yeah, you were saying you watched all five seasons. So I watched all five seasons, and I was like, I'm in a really, really dark place, but not dark enough to watch Criminal Minds, which is my oh, Criminal Minds is like my. That's when you're really there. That's when I'm really there. Is like when I'm just like because those episodes are just like seriously four hours long yeah there's 60 episodes a season and there's 97 seasons right Mm -hmm. i definitely got into criminal uh, criminal minds k-hole to use a metaphor (laughs) um maybe two years ago 
it was like winter and I was like, Criminal Minds is like nine seasons. Well, I better watch it on Netflix. (laughs) And I got so into it. And then I found a blog of someone who was into it in the same exact ways that I was. So I Mm -hmm. would guess that this person is maybe on the spectrum as well because Mm -hmm. they wrote literally minute by minute critiques of every episode. And their, their theory was saying that they actually don't use psychology to solve the crime. And so every episode they break it down whether or not they use psychology to solve the crime. And one of the... I ended up Instagramming it, but this was years ago, so you're not going to be able to find it. But I Instagrammed a comment where he's like, I've been accused of a lot of things in my life. Being a jerk, being a bad listener, not being empathetic. <laughs> but how dare you accuse me of not watching Criminal Minds? And you can clearly see from this blog, I have watched every episode. But I would, like, read the episodes. And watch, I watched, like, eight seasons that winter. Yeah. Because I was, like, really That's when it. you know it's really That's bad. That's bottom. That is literally, that is rock, Netflix rock bottom mm-hmm. is... Um, I want to plug really sure. quick. They have one of those with Law and Order SVU. I think it's all things Law and Order SVU.blogspot. I've been going on that blog for years when I want to find out whether or not the bad guy gets away and I can't take the suspense. But we can talk about mental illness again. I just wanted to plug <laughs> no, that I, th- blog. I think this is, I think this is all <laughs> also, really like, ties I, in. Yeah, I hate... Um, I hate surprises, so I love spoilers, and mm-hmm. that would also help because, like, yeah, maybe this is something that would like definitely trigger me or make me feel like bad in some way because Criminal Minds really just throws everything it has at you. Yeah, Criminal Minds like is not. It's like so ridiculous and so gory mm-hmm. and insane, and it's like the killer chops off their ears and then makes an ear necklace yeah. and goes to and his mo is that he orders a cheeseburger and it's just like what are you talking about? Like it's so crazy, but. Um, yeah, so it's like... But there's like an element of suspense that uh, is lifted because you know they're going to catch him. I love spoiling like really intense things for myself. Sometimes I just can't take it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like less triggered for me. Yeah. People would think like, isn't that suspenseful or you don't know? And I was like, oh, I actually read. I love to read the plot of movies before I watch the movies. Mm -hmm. I just like knowing going in. When I'm in a movie theater, sometimes I will look up the end because I think I can take it. So I go to see it in theaters and then I realize I made a huge mistake. So I turn down my brightness and I like hide my phone and read the ending on Wikipedia. I love like turning to the person with me like, what's going on? Is this going to end? I'm like, really scared. (laughs) I'm like, stop. (laughs) I just, I don't like it. I get anxious. Yeah. But I do also love horror movies. And I, I think I think too. that some people, not everyone, but some people with mental illness like horror movies because it's cathartic. Yeah. Because you know it's fake. You yeah. know it's like an created environment. Or sometimes just like reliving stressful situations or reliving anxiety in a more controlled environment is helpful when you have mental illness, yeah. in my experience. I agree. I completely agree. Because I love, I do, I love horror The only, except I can't, I can't watch like, um... I like, like, horror movies with, like, monsters and, like, shit like that, but I don't like horror movies that are just, like, men killing people, because mm. it's, like, uh, it's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little touchy. Yeah. <laughs> I hate um, ones with dolls. Really? Yeah, I just don't, I don't want to think that, that that I paid money for my killer. <laughs> to <add laughs> insult to injury. Yeah, wow. I bought this and invited it into my house. Invited. And maybe it's because, like, Chucky, I'm, like, peak age, I'm in my early 30s, I'm peak age for, like, Chucky and yeah. Puppet Master and just dolls coming to life yeah, in your house. Like no, a... thanks. And people are like, come on, Chucky, how can you be afraid of it? And I was like, you, I don't know, I had dolls as a kid. Yeah. And I saw this murdering doll on TV and I just thought, just, like, didn't really... I don't want that. Yeah. I think I'm just, like, addicted to feeling bad. And, like, this is a bad I can control. Yeah, like, yes. like, I'm gonna super overstimulate myself, but I decided to do this to Actually, myself. That's how I feel about relatable. That's how I feel about watching Lifetime movies. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's just like, it's just like women's trauma porn, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just like emotional trauma, and you're just like, okay. Yeah. I, I spoiled the hell out of Lifetime movies for myself because I get so worked up, and I'm like, I know there's gonna be eighteen like, plot twists and yeah. I'm gonna get confused. I like read because I like watching the ones that are like real, mm-hmm. and then I read the Wikipedia while I'm watching it, so oh, I yeah, don't get like too surprised or too stressed out or whatever. But I think that's that's nail on the head is that reliving these feelings in a controlled environment is super helpful. Yeah. But people sometimes think, oh, you, you, is, can you watch this? Can you handle it? Yeah. And it's like I can handle it better than you. <laughs> like my mind is a prison. Of course I can handle it. I've been training my whole life. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, when did you feel like you, like, did you have a moment where it was like, holy shit, I that's what this is? Yeah. 
Oh, um, probably. I don't know if I had a moment, but I know that there was a year when I like had stopped doing a lot of modeling and acting full time, and I tried to go to school, and it was incredibly challenging for me. And I just like became more uh, interested, borderline obsessed with looking up how symptoms manifested, and so I was probably like. 25 or 26 mm-hmm. so older than a lot of people when they like get diagnosis but i mean some people get autism diagnosis at like 40 50 years old yeah um but yeah i would say it was that is that year uh and i had done different therapies in the past like i had been in state or county counseling i had been on different medications i had done this this and this and it always just felt kind of like flat to me mm-hmm. um I don't know, that's really reductive, just because it fell flat. But it's, like, I mean, yeah. a lot of, like, narratives that I think people who don't have autism have don't necessarily apply when you have autism. And there's also studies saying that people with autism, when polled, if they're depressed, rank really low. But then if they ask if they've ever been suicidal, rank really high. Which there's a, definitely a disconnect with autism in reading other people's emotions, but that transcends into reading your own reading emotions. Your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, when I was just, like, I'm screaming all the time and I can't sleep, I wasn't saying, I'm depressed. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that, like, I don't know, that makes therapy more challenging. Yeah. Because it's hard to self-report when you, like, if someone asks me how I feel, nine times out of ten, I'm going to use a descriptor that's physical. Be like, oh, I feel tight, or my head hurts. Yeah. I would never say, like, oh, I'm sad today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, viewing that through an autistic lens has been helpful to me personally. Yeah. Did that feel like a, I imagine that felt like a huge relief then? Oh, yeah. At the time, it was, like... (sighs) it was just so nice and then like when if I'm not working for a while and then maybe I have like a part-time job at a grocery store and I come home and my ears are ringing my throat hurts and I just feel like it's like oh it's because I didn't break crack my neck all day and I didn't do all these things that Mm -hmm. I view as being socially uh rude yeah that are like my autistic tics as it were uh makes me sore to like hold that back and so it's easier to just like instead of Saying, like, oh, I can never work a job. It's like, oh, when I work a job, there's an adjustment because I do that. Like, there's more of an explanation that's less, like, immediate. I can't work a job. I'm incapable. Yeah. Thinking. Does that make sense? That makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there, I mean, I think that there's, like, such a relief sometimes in, like, a diagnosis. Like, I found out a year and a half ago that I was bipolar, mm-hmm. which I've been diagnosed as depressed since I was 13. So Mm -hmm. I've been on antidepressants since I was 13. Mm. But, so, I mean, like, that's not... That's not conducive to the treatment of bipolar. It's not at at all. So I'm thinking I'm never going to be fixed. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be cured. Like, I'm having these crazy manic episodes. And, like, I don't understand why. Mm -hmm. And so that diagnosis was just like... And, like, I, I, I kind of knew... Before I knew, but I didn't really, like, I don't know, I didn't really, like, when you're, I mean, because, like, sometimes when you're in mania, you don't even really realize it. You just, like, are, like, you're, like, I feel great. I'm good. Like, I'm good. And so you don't even think about it. But then when I had, like, the worst manic episode I've ever had, Mm -hmm. um, I, like, flew to New York, didn't tell anyone I was going. I was there for, like, four days just, like, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. I spent thousands of dollars. I, like, just whatever. Yeah. And then it was, like... Wait a minute. <laughs> and when I came down, I was like, huh, that was weird. <laughs> and that's yeah. when I was like, okay, like something's up. Mm-hmm. And um, the being diagnosed is just like, oh, well, like now there's something we can actually work with for yeah. you. And now there's like actually a way to manage this. It, it feels like such a... But versus when I got my schizophrenia diagnosis, which was within the last five months... Less than that, maybe five months. Or so. Very recent. Yeah. Very, very, very recent. Um, it felt. I did not feel relieved. I felt doomed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. But like at first, it like it was not one of those that was like. It's like oh fuck because it's it's like one of those ones that like. I, I mean, like I didn't know anything about. Not a lot mm-hmm. of people know anything about. So it's just like kind of a. Yeah, I don't know what I'm getting at here. So it all makes sense. I mean, there's different reactions to different ones. Yeah. Uh, but it can. It's ultimately always helpful to have a moment where it's like, oh, that's what the fuck is up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I felt at least a little less. I mean, I knew for a long time I was bipolar before I went and I just talked about it to a capable psychiatrist who was like, yep, 
you're bipolar. Yeah. But um, just like listening to other people talk about it and like finding forums for people really helped me. It's it's like I'll prepare myself for a good cry sometimes and I'll go on like bipolar support forums and I know I'm going to feel super bad, but it's also like very helpful to me. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. from an isolation standpoint. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm broken, but hey, so are they. And <laughs> yeah. we're, all, we're all in this. Yeah, that's true. That's real. Yeah. So I don't mean to keep putting you on the spot, but I'm pretty interested. Sure, like sure. at what, like, have you found any useful tools? Because I know a lot of this is on your own. You've yeah, to do yeah. Stuff. Um, definitely. So like magnesium as a supplement helps with anxiety, but it's something that is uh, not super recommended to take every day because it's not easy on your kidneys. But uh, I had been hospitalized a couple of times for dehydration and just, I worked in retail and every January I'd get so sick that I'd end up in the hospital. And they'd be like, nothing's wrong, we're going to put you on an IV and send you home. But they'd always test me and give me potassium and magnesium. And um, I was like, they, do they just give you that when you're dehydrated? They do, but in my research I found that people with autism tend to test lower in magnesium. And magnesium can be put in like anxiety away supplements. And to me, if I feel like I've been extra, like, ticky, like extra stimmy, uh, magnesium can be beneficial. So especially if I know I'm going to have, like, a super long photo shoot, it would, I would take magnesium before and hope <laughs> that I make less sounds. And to me, I'm not a super physical uh, mover, but sounds can be really, really, really hard for me, really hard, and I will have to make a sound with my mouth to kind of balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> this is a mentally ill child podcast, so you feel okay saying that. But it's one of those things yeah. where, like, neurotypical people are like, that's not right. But you just got to clear it out. You just got to yeah, 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 if you, like, hear nails sense. on a chalkboard, you got to go, Ugh! Like, you just got to yeah. clear it out of your ears. Um, if I'm taking some magnesium and make sure I'm hydrated and make sure I'm more calm, I'm less likely to, like, scream if someone mm -hmm. moves their shoe and it sounds like I'm in a basketball game or something. Yeah, that makes sense that you just have to kind of, like, <laughs> Yeah, and, but if you out. say that outside of the realm of autism and you are like, oh, when people make a sound, I have to clear it out, they might be thinking, like, oh, that might be OCD. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not, it's more like an echophilia sound thing. Or, or it can... I'm pretty good at picking up languages. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not fluent in anything besides English. I'm not even going to be bold enough to try. Right. But um, I can understand what people are saying in different languages if I'm exposed to it at a shorter amount of time than other people because of my echophilia, my ability to mimic unheard okay. sounds, which is incredibly common within autism. But, like, if you were to say that to, say that to a therapist and they weren't even thinking in the spectrum of autism, they would just be like, oh, that's just maybe OCD or you're just really smart. Right. Mm -hmm. We're just really smart. Yeah, we're just smart. <laughs> it's not our fault. Like I like if I'm home alone or if I'm in my own house. I if someone were to like put a mic on my body, there would be a lot of just random sounds yeah. that I make, like <laughs> just from bumping something or just not even realizing that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And I I hope when I take like if I have a long work day, if I take magnesium or if I like really focus on it, I can. You, the thing with stimming is you can you can control it. It's not always, um, but a lot of times you can because it's not like you're unconsciously playing with a spinner. You know you're playing with a spinner. That's yeah. a good example to use. Uh, you know you're playing with a fidget toy, and you could stop, but you still feel that, like, ah, I want to play with this. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people with, on the autistic spectrum disorder can relate to that, where they want to stim or they want to clap their hands or they want to, like do this kind of a thing yeah. where I'm like slapping my hands together and making two fists uh, and in some instances you feel judged for doing that so you don't but it makes you physically like it chips away mm -hmm. at your spirit mm -hmm. does that yeah, make sense? That's not, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, those are from like autistic spe autistic specific things I think that if you bring them up in therapy and they don't have a lens mm -hmm. of autism as a po possible diagnosis they get associated with different behaviors yeah and that. does that make sense? that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, difficult before you. Have you, so, mm -hmm. like, post, have you been able to, like, find a therapist that you... No, and like, lately I've been toying with going back into therapy, and it's just, like, it seems like an added way to talk myself out of it. Because, I, again, I have to go through this procedure of trying to explain that I think 
I'm, I'm autistic or do I even want to delve into that? Do I want to just look for something that's like CBT to just be like productive? Yeah. Like, hey, I just feel like I'm not productive. Like just really hold back with my therapist and try and shape it to me, which is totally not a suggested thing to do no, with therapy. I'm, yeah, I, but, I've been there before too though. It's just like, okay, let's just see how we can... Yeah, let's just try and sculpt this to what I specifically feel like I How need. can I trick my therapist today? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, real. Yeah, right? Um... So I don't know. I, I'm, I've been talking about that. It's just so expensive. Mental health is just so It expensive. is so expensive. And it's like we talked about, you know, there is sliding scale, but like people, some people don't have $20 a week. Yeah. Right. There's $20. $20 a week is a cell phone bill. Yeah. It's like 80 bucks a month. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Mental health is extremely expensive, mm-hmm. even with insurance, even mm-hmm. with, yeah. I um, talked last time about how I was, <laughs> at that point, it's been a while since we did this. Um, I was on Triangle Butrin, and then mm-hmm. I had a really big breakdown, which is part of why we took that nice little sabbatical. Um, and then I had to go on a short-term antipsychotic, and now I'm back on Prozac. But my doctor and I were trying to decide which pill to put me on after the antipsychotic. Mm-hmm. And she was really pushing for lithium. And I was like, how are you about to try and put me on lithium when we haven't tried an SSRI yet Mm -hmm. um, recently and she's really pushing for it but if you're on lithium you have to continually get your vitals checked up on because it can alter so many things and it's like how are you about to add that bill it's like I'm not going to pay that copay to have that on top of this when I can hardly afford to do a once a month psych visit yeah and also like mental health mental health issues can manifest in physical ways like you can get an upset stomach Mm -hmm. you can get I like your IBS can flare up or whatever. Yeah. So being on lithium, like you have to have to have to get it checked because like maybe it's like all your time, mental yeah. health isn't working with the lithium and that's making you number two all the time. It's just there's like a so much yeah. that can like be at play with it. Yeah. Um I am on Medicaid right now, which is the only reason that I can get the help I'm getting and I'm really, really just like beyond lucky that I have, I mean, I entered a program that is all young adults with new psychosis diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And so I have a team, like I have a psych and I have a caseworker and I have a therapist and I have like a job coach if I want that. And I have like a family educator if I want that. And I have like a, yeah, I mean, I have to go like all the way up to Evanston for it, but it's like, I am very lucky to have it. And I don't know I mean, eventually I'll get the hang of it and I won't need all of that. But, like, I can't imagine coming into this, like, mm-hmm. diagnosis without that. Yeah. And just kind of being like, well, now what? Yeah. Yeah. So. We're all really lucky in a lot of ways. Yeah. And cursed in a lot of ways. <laughs> what a couple of feelings. <laughs> Lately, I keep saying, what's the opposite of a curse and can someone put that on me? <laughs> Oh, blessing, and I'm like stronger. I need something <laughs> much stronger yeah. than that. Yeah, it's gotta be much more potent than a blessing. <laughs> like a double, at least. Like a miracle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what they call a double blessing. A double blessing, like mm-hmm. a maybe like a, a really strong blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. this is probably really long. Yeah, I think on that note, yeah. I think we did enough. I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> I'm ready to eat more red vines and I can't do that with the mic on so oh yeah I'm hungry um, Liz thank you so much yeah it was a pledge I hope that it wasn't uh alienating to any listeners well if it was you guys are honestly being jerks yeah so, what are you doing dude yeah. this is interesting and um so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye